Okay, we're all in take five. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. <laughs> 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Hook them up with Ian Rod B. Rolls on. We are uh, talking all things Longhorn Hoops. With another big win last night. Always good to beat the Sooners, Rob. Always good to beat the Sooners. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Come on, man. It's 802 and oh, you still sucks. Always will suck. And I think we start calling the Lloyd Noble Center in Norman uh, Moody Center North. Longhorns won six in a row in that building. It's like their second home court. Uh, I'm sure Sooners fans are not uh, happy about that. No. No. Porter Mosier's team did not have a good night. And uh, Longhorns did kind of round into form. Also talking all things NFL. We'll get you the headlines coming up. Looking more and more like uh, Jim Harbaugh is going to land with the L.A. Chargers. Get your details on that. Uh, also, Longhorn conversation and the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame, Rod. I mentioned earlier that both Todd Helton and uh, Joe Maurer, who are going in alongside the great Adrian Beltre, uh, the Texas Ranger, great, but also had 21 years of great play in Seattle, L.A., the Rangers. But uh, both Maurer and Todd Helton have strong football backgrounds, if you remember. Like to this point, Todd Helton went to Tennessee, Rod. Todd Helton uh, was offered an athletic scholarship to play both football and baseball to Tennessee. He was named Gatorade Player of the Year in football and baseball in the state of Tennessee That's crazy. when he was coming out. Wow. And as a freshman and a sophomore at Tennessee, he backed up Heath Schuler at quarterback. <laughs> Entering his junior season in 1994, he was the backup to senior Jerry Colquitt and ahead of Peyton Manning, then a true freshman. Wow. Look that, Rod. Wow. After Colquitt tore his knee ligament in the season opener, Helton took over as a starter for three weeks later, and then Peyton Manning took over for him. Then he decided he was going to stick for baseball. Two-sport star. He's picked, he's picked the right sport. <laughs> yeah, because then he wanted to play. With the guaranteed money and the one. I mean, he, he, he's better at baseball than football, we'll assume. He went on to play 17 years of Major League Baseball. Of guaranteed money. Money, 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 money. Health care for life. For life. Now, meanwhile, Joe Maurer, who played his entire 15-year major league career with the Minnesota Twins, was a prodigy as an athlete, as a young guy. He played football, basketball, and baseball for St. Paul, um, the St. Paul Raiders. In his senior year, became the only athlete ever to be selected as USA Today's High School Player of the Year in two sports, football and baseball, and as a quarterback. He pretty could have much gone anywhere as a scholarship scholarship quarterback. Yeah, scholarship football player. Yeah. He um, chose baseball. He chose wisely. He chose – exactly. <laughs> These guys are – even at teenagers, they should be really smart about the decision that they made to play baseball instead and guaranteed money now on their way to the Hall of Fame. Like I said, life, lifetime health care, which also can't beat that, man. Well, he, I mean, he, he was – he could have gone anywhere to play a college quarterback. Yeah. And he, he went straight out of high school, drafted by the uh, Twins, and said, okay, I'll just be a twin. And <laughs> – Make Love a lot these of guys money. making great decisions as a teenager. All right, he's 17, 18 making that decision. Brilliant, sir. You wonder with NIL if he Good would make you. the same decision today. I don't know. He should. Well, uh, what round was he drafted in? Yeah. Well, what uh, round was he drafted in? That's the question. Because sometimes they drafted later, and maybe, but no, nah, I think you should have gone. 
Yeah, these guys, they picked the right sport. They picked the right sport. Yeah, and he man. got 76.1% of the vote for good for him. But yeah. uh, Picked the sport that guaranteed money. How about this dude? This guy makes you – it sounds like the guy the Longhorns just signed, the defensive end from Texarkana, Pleasant Grove, who plays – he's got a 95-mile-hour fastball, plays defensive end, plays tight end for the football team that you just talked to on the live stream. Oh, Lance uh, – Yeah, the Longhorns' yeah. Uh, 2025 commitment. You're right. But look at this. Baseball, he's Joe Maurer. Basketball, he averaged more than 20 points per game and was an All-State player. And then football, in, in, in the year uh, 2000, this is why I know this about Joe Maurer because I was doing morning radio at the I'm time. I was going to say, that's Rob B. That's my time. <laughs> Maurer was named the National High School Quarterback of the Year by the National Quarterback Club coming out of high school. Damn. Played in the U.S. Army All-American Bowl. Huh. This dude was a dude. He's a dude. <laughs> yeah. He could have gone any direction. And he went to play catcher in Major League Baseball, and Once now he's again, going to the Hall of Fame. Making smart decisions. It's a smart, <laughs> smart decision. With the game, I don't even know if that's was what they were thinking. I'd love to know now and re- hear them go back and, rec- and recollect. Was it was that based on your decision, or you just went with the sport you loved the most or the sport you played the most? I, I remember covering it, and I, I, played I think better, memory really serves. Better. If he was going to go play football, it was going to be Notre Dame or uh, or Florida State. Damn. Florida State with Bobby Bowden back in two thousand. Oh yeah, hey, hey, Rod B was one of my five <laughs> finalists, man. Florida State, baby. Florida State was a hit school. Lance Jackson is the kid's name. Um, but, yeah, that's one, that one of the hit schools back in the day. The beauty of it now is Texas is kind of becoming the hit school. Again. Yeah, well, they're getting the there. We'll program. talk about that uh, behind the BOC coming up bottom of the hour. Also, we'll talk some Cowboys here coming up in a frustrating way because it's oh, a frustrating no. week. Cowboys got uh, relatives going after each other and coaches and quarterbacks on Twitter. That's never good. And social media. This thing is uh, – because, you know, we talked about this earlier, but Cowboy fans are extremely frustrated. And you know that 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 would not be, you know, it's not it's not surprising that the families of the players are frustrated. The oh, players yeah, are yeah. frustrated. Yeah, people are frustrated. Mm-hmm. It's it's a frustrating time in Dallas. They're they're hitting right now. You know, they're two division. You know, thirty six wins in three seasons. They feel close, but they're really not. And who's you know, finger pointing starts and all this? We'll get you some thoughts of our our you know our friend Brian Broadus, the Cowboys insider, oh, talking about work. what uh, yeah. what he thinks. And I think it's it's on point. And it's, it's echoing a lot of stuff we've said. But it, to come from someone who, like Brian Broaddus, who won a Super Bowl ring as an NFL scout and, and personnel man who also worked for the Cowboys at DallasCowboys.com for five years and knows the inner workings of the Jones family, we'll let you hear that here coming up. But first, let's get to the headlines, the other top stories, including another big win for the Longhorns. Top Gun Reynolds and Lon Quinn bring you the top news. Yeah, Longhorns, ultra impressive. And they followed up that win over Baylor on Saturday with a maybe even more impressive win at Oklahoma. Beat the 11th-ranked Sooners 75-60. to and really blew it out in the second half. Game was a one-point ball game. Longhorns up one, about 11 minutes to play. Uh, they go on a surge, 19-4 run. Keep by the sharp shooting of Max Asmus. Dominant play by Dylan DeSue in the post. Uh, and then a season-high 11 points and a ton of hustle plays from Kendall Weaver, who's getting more and more playing time for the Longhorns, and it's a good thing. Asmus ended up leading the Longhorns with 22. DeSue had 19, grabbed 10 boards and four assists. Longhorns now 14-5 on the year, 3-3 three three in Big 12 play. They'll be at BYU. On Saturday, by the way, the Longhorns' next two opponents played last night out in Provo and University of Houston. The Cougars beat the other Cougars of BYU 75-68. Also last night, TCU beat Oklahoma State in Stillwater. Central Florida rolled past West Virginia. Tenth-ranked Texas women back in action tonight. They'll welcome Oklahoma to the Moody Center for a 6 o'clock tip. Big football news developing in the NFL out in La La Land. Jim Harbaugh's return to the NFL uh, bordering on imminent now. Mike Gar- Garofalo of the NFL Network reporting this morning that the Chargers have made an extremely strong offer to Harbaugh to become their next coach and says the two sides are within striking distance of a deal. He also added the two sides are at the point of negotiations where they're talking about coaching staff 
and who the general manager might be. Major developing story from the NBA as well, where the Milwaukee Bucks, the number two seed in the Eastern Conference, have fired their first-year head coach, Adrian Griffin. Multiple reports indicate that Doc Rivers has emerged as a serious candidate to take over here midseason. Uh, as we mentioned, big news from baseball, 2024 Hall of Fame class announced. It includes the all-time Texas Ranger great uh, Adrian Beltre, along with Joe Maurer and Todd Helton. Beltre, by the way, received over 95% of the vote. He was one of the game's premier third baseman for more than two decades, including eight, the final eight years of his career with the Rangers. Horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. Topgun.net. We'll shoot you straight. I like hardball to the Chargers uh, whenever that happens. And I've seen some odds that do have Mike Vrabel with the best odds to be the Panthers' next head coach. Ooh. Um, <clears throat> Sorry, Mike. Exactly. Well, I, I'm just not a fan of Dave Tepper. Oh, I, I agree just know that's going to go well. But he'll pay you, and he won't let you run it the way you want to run it, and he'll pay you. And I will say this, Mike Vrabel can win in a lot of uh, adverse conditions. Like, he was able to win in Tennessee without a great quarterback. Um, you know what I mean? He was able to uh, to win in, in a very, I would say, no, say unorthodox, kind of a, a old school fashion, playing bully ball, um, emphasis kind of going the, going against the grain. I think Mike Vrabel can go there. I don't know if he'll be able to win, but at least they play in a division that's winnable. You play in the South, so it's winnable. Like anybody can win that division, depending on if you get enough weapons and you you have a quarterback. Now the problem is, do you have a quarterback? I don't. Correct. We don't know. Well, you know, it's funny uh, in that division. Coaches are changing over big time, right? Bill Belichick may end up in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Todd Bowles just took Buc- the Buccaneers back to the playoffs and, and they got a quarter the Lions, and they got yeah. Baker Mayfield going. Uh, but, yeah, the Panthers are looking for Mike Vrabel. That division is just kind of sitting there for someone to take over. It is. Kind of like the Chiefs have done in the AFC West. Think about you know the, 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 the Patrick Mahomes-Andy Reid effect in the, can, in the AFC, AFC West is very, very Nick Saban-like. To where the other teams in the division, like the SEC, kept firing coaches trying to catch Nick Saban. Yeah, same things happen in the AFC West, and I'll give the LA Chargers credit if they do indeed hire Nick Jim Harbaugh. They're they're indicating that they're serious about it, because because hiring Brandon Staley would not indicate you're serious about it, and then sticking with him, even though it was pretty obvious early on that he was in over his head, in over his head as a head coach, uh, and then you know. Before that, you know, this is a real investment in a coach. You're, they're going to pay him more than $10 million a year to come coach the, the Chargers. You know, the, the, that ownership group, which has long been known as a cheap ownership group, are going in. Because now, you know, you've got to beat the Chiefs, and now Sean Payton is in Denver, and you kind of feel like he'll sort that out, right? He's, he's a big-time coach. And the, the Raiders are interesting because they're going Antonio Pierce. They're going uh, locker room guy. They're going, yeah, with a culture guy. I mean, the Dan Campbell's very similar. They're going with a coach who doesn't have a history as a coordinator. So he, you're not bringing him in as a scheme-savvy guy. He's not coming in to kind of overhaul your schematics or your strategy. He's going to come in as a guy that can motivate, that can inspire, and make sure that the team is buttoned up, a disciplined team. Like, what's your brand of football? He's supposed to be that guy because Dan Campbell – Everybody knows that the Detroit Lions have a brand of football they play. That's how, and that's what I love about Harbaugh coming in. Harbaugh, he comes in not only with his brand, but a brand of football. Yeah, as a style, know it, everybody knows what well, Harbaugh it, football is. And it's a change from what the Chargers have done. I mean, the Chargers have gone from Mike McCoy to Anthony Lynn to Brandon Staley. I mean, these were coordinators they're, they're with yeah, question marks. Pretty much. Who yeah. are they? 
Yeah. Uh, you know, Mike McCoy got famous because he coached Peyton Manning at, at the Denver Broncos. Well, how much do you, are you coaching Peyton Manning at that point of his career? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Uh, Anthony Lynn, former Texas Tech Red Raider. Well, this is, this is an investment. This is, okay, we're changing direction. Yeah. We're going with a guy, a proven, and we're going to pay for it. We now are in L.A. We've got to build our own fan base. We've got this big stadium. Uh, this is, that, that is a sign the Spanos family is serious. And I think Arthur Blank is giving indications in, back in that AFC South, NFC South that we're serious. We're going to hire a Bill Belichick type of coach. We're yeah. not messing around here. We're swinging for big, for big things. Seattle. Cowboys? Crickets. No change. <laughs> and I, so, so the word change is interesting. It's a lot of times changing just to change is not the right move. We would all no. agree with that. But I want to play this for you. This is Brian Broaddus, our, formerly was our Cowboys insider here on the horn, but now he's doing five-hour radio show like we do up in Dallas on 105.3 The Fan. But before he was with The Fan, Brian was with DallasCowboys.com. Mm-hmm. Listen to this conversation. you hear some other voices too because this is a conversation they had on their show yesterday. Uh, on 105.3 The Fan, but the, the crux of it that you'll hear from Brian Broaddus here coming up is something we just talked about, the unwillingness to change and bring in outside voices to help push that change. Here is uh, Broaddus yesterday. But it's like right, an Adam Sandler movie. But right now, I, 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 I think the blame's going the wrong direction here myself. So it needs to be Steven. Steven needs to be in the blame. I think, St- I think yeah, yeah I, think, I think when you start to talk about when they, the, you know, they don't want to change. They Both don't want Bill Belichick walking in here or Jim Harbaugh walking in here and saying, we need to do this differently personnel-wise. I don't like the way we're doing this personnel-wise. You know, I don't like this. I don't. They don't want that. They don't want that. It's easy for them now. Mike's not going to get in their way about personnel. Mike's not going to get in their way and say, oh, well, you know, like I want him to go in there and say, hey, we need to do something different here. He's not. He's not going to do it different. It's totally comfortable for the way that these guys operate now. It is. They don't have anybody questioning their personnel moves. They get to draft. They get to sign players, their own players. They don't do things that the guy in Philadelphia does or people who are fighting for their jobs. That's what this football team is. All right, there's Brian Broaddus, who's been in the inner workings of that, and he's right on, Rod. I mean, that's we just talk about Harry Roseman. You know, it didn't go well this year. They were in the Super Bowl the year before, and now he's probably going to hire Ron Rivera, maybe Cliff Kingsbury. Mm -hmm. That's change. That's bringing in. You know, we 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 didn't get it right this year. Let's get it right. Um, You know, because because you know clearly it was falling apart in Philadelphia this year. Uh, We just talk about what uh, what the Chargers are are going to announce at some point today or this week, and I think that's always been the issue. And now, especially when you have a coach. If you go from Jason Garrett, who wasn't going to question personnel, to Mike McCarthy, who came in saying, I don't want to question personnel. I want to coach. Yep. Well, this is exactly what the Joneses want. It's, it's their team. They run it. It's their family business. And, um, you know, we think we're in a good place. Fans, you're just kind of left to deal with that while they watch other organizations make, make changes, be aggressive, bring in powerful outside voices, Rod, who will come in and say, you know, you got a problem here. You got real problems at this position or real problems here. Uh, but you just heard Brian Broad say it passionately. They don't want it. They really don't want to be questioned. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say anything is specifically wrong with the personnel, just to be devil's advocate. They did have nine all pros. Sure. They had more nine all pros than anybody else. Um, then you give it up to the coach to be able to coach those guys up to inspire those guys and give you a schematic advantage, which they did not have. And that's why it kind of falls on Mike McCarthy. Now that's on the GM for hiring the right coach who can motivate, maximize, um, and get his players to elevate and separate. 
and especially in in the playoffs in the postseason when you're playing against other really good teams and you're playing against really good organizations overall. Uh, so yeah, I mean it's 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 really I don't know where they go from here. I really don't because personnel wise, nine all pros. I would say you got the players. Talent. Once again, we say we're saying this a lot today, and it seems like to be the theme of the show. Talent is not the issue. Longer, longer basketball. Talent, talent is not your issue, Dallas Cowboys. It's not. You can't have nine. You you have more all pros than any other team in the league. Are we really going to say talent's our issue? Talent's not the issue. Got enough talent. Well, but I do. You're, you can't. There's some you key can't, areas you, where you, you probably need to get better, but every, every roster has holes. It's up to coaches to scheme around those holes. Well, look, uh, you know, again, uh, broken record conversation because I heard a lot of people still defending Dak Prescott. I, you know, I don't care if he threw for 400 yards in that game against the Packers. He was a big part of falling behind 27 to nothing. No question. He has not proven to be a big game playoff quarterback in, four, in, in eight years. Uh, they still try to convince themselves that he is. And you can't coach around that, in my opinion. Um, and, yes, this year, Dan Quinn's defense. Dan Quinn's defense has been great each of the last two Januaries and giving you a chance to win football games against the Niners and advance. The offense couldn't take it. Uh, this year, the defense fell apart at their worst time. Uh, was it personnel? Was it scheme? Was it Dan Quinn looking at the Seahawks job? Whatever. Uh, but, you know, the, the consistent is Jerry Jones, and the consistent in the last eight years has been Dak Prescott. Uh, and he has not come up big in big moments in, in January where you have to. Uh, so, yes, nine all pros, but in the end, it's going to come down to those, those key elements. of, of cause You're playing great organizations, great teams in the playoffs, Rod. That's who you have to beat. And mm-hmm. if you do have a, a position group or a quarterback who's not that guy, then that's where it's going to show up. That's when it becomes revealed. It doesn't get revealed over 17 weeks of the season. It does in January because that's, that's the microscope, and that's uh, what we're talking about. But to, to the bigger picture of what I think Broadus is saying is, you know, if it's not the talent then, is Mike McCarthy the best coach? Would Bill Belichick be a better coach? Would he be a better coach for this team moving forward? Uh, there's arguments to be made either way, but the bigger point is for 30 years now, this has been the way the organization is run where they don't want outside opinions. They don't seek them. They don't want them. Jerry did it one time since Jimmy Johnson, and that was Bill Parcells. And that, that marriage lasted about four or five years, and, it, and it, again, it had to end. Mike McCarthy is an outsider. Yeah, but he doesn't want any control over personnel. Yeah. Neither does Jason Garrett, who was, you know, from within. But I don't want a coach that wants control over personnel. Input, yes, but not control. Sure, I, exactly. I want, a, I want a chain of command. Yes. But, uh, yeah, I mean, again – they don't want to change, I think it was the, the no, message there. No, I agree, there. they don't. They, that's, they that's, love, that's not good in any industry. Let's hire from within, promote from within. Anytime they have a vacancy, you know, we like our guys, right? That's the, their slogan. We like our guys. And so the thought process, that would be, so you have did an exhaustive search, you did all your due diligence, you've interviewed all the possible candidates, and most of the time the best candidate was just sitting in your own meeting room at the whole time? How's that possible? Like, how's, it, how's it always possible with the Cowboys? Um, and that oftentimes happens. And sometimes the guy, that he, he played for them, and also they kind of groom these guys up through the ranks. The Cowboys, one of the organizations that do that, the, 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 the Kellen Moore thing with Jason Garrett thing, they like, we like our guys. So, yeah, that can be very toxic, uh, just not having outside opinions. And, um, and, yeah, I think, Jerry, you know, there should have been a check on Dak, right? We talked about this earlier this week. We talked about this at one point. Now you're too far down the road. With Dak, the I check know. on Dak should have come probably two, three years ago, and it never came. And there are organizations like the Philadelphia Eagles that decided, no, 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 you know what? That Carson Wentz experiment, that didn't work. Let's shift it. Let's reinvent. And, you know, they've changed quarterbacks a few times trying to find the right guy. We just talked yesterday about the 49ers when Brock Purdy was hurt. My man Shano, this past offseason, Entertain the idea and talk to Tom Brady. 
Yeah. Do you want to come back? Because we're looking to upgrade quarterback, man. If we can, we'd rather have you. And he told Brock Purdy that. He said, Brock, if we can have the GOAT, we're taking the GOAT. You could be the starting quarterback unless we can get an upgrade over you, right? And we just watched the Packers beat the uh, beat the Cowboys on the road with a first-time starting quarterback because they were looking, man, three, four, five years ahead when they drafted Jordan Love in anticipation of him being the successor of Aaron Rodgers, which they did for Brett Favre when they drafted Aaron Rodgers in that same role. That's just organizationally what they do. And for the team that's drafted the fewest amount of quarterbacks in the NFL since 1999, they have a bad organizational habit of ignoring the quarterback position, at least long-term, and it comes back to haunt them. Yeah. It came back to haunt them in the Romo thing, but y'all were lucky. The happy action of Dak Prescott saved you. You are supposed to hit quarterback hell probably eight years ago. Eight, nine years ago, but the Dak Prescott happy accident saved him. Remember, they didn't know he was going to be. They wanted Connor Cook or Paxton Lynch, hell, or they, they thought he was going to be the third-string quarterback. Kellen Moore was ahead of him, but both of those guys get hurt, Kellen Moore and Tony Romo, because he was Fred Geely, and then Dak Prescott, boom, sure. he ends up getting the job. But, so but, my point is, I, I agree with you. I'm saying that those things have come back to haunt him, and now I don't know what they do. Well, and I would expand on what you just said and what Brian Broda said is, you know, as you're going through the Dak Prescott situation, he was rookie of the year. He had a great start. But as the time went on, it became at least clear to, to, to me that he was more Alex Smith and Kirk Cousins than he is the elite quarterback it's going to take to push you through the playoffs. That was my opinion. But, of course, they did lock themselves in. But they don't bring in people to tell them that. There's no one checking them on that. Uh, that is the issue, big picture. And it's not just this year, it's every year. Yeah. And in any organization, to not bring in outside opinions and, you know, what do you think about how we're operating here, that's why people hire consultants, right? People mm-hmm. do bring in very successful people within their field and say, hey, man, what are you seeing? Let's observe us for a while. What do you like? What are our good traits and good habits? What are our bad ones? Uh, that's why consultants make a lot of money, by the way. <laughs> but they're not always perfect. But this is something the Jones family want. Why did Jerry Jones, when he was going to high, move on from Jason Garrett, who that was hard for him. He loved Jason Garrett because he was his guy and a puppet. And, uh, you know, by the way, no one's hired Jason Garrett since, right? I mean, he had the little little cup of coffee with the Giants as an offensive coordinator. But he lasted 10 years in Dallas. But he's not a sought-after coach. Um, But but remember the famous quote now from Jerry Jones on Mike McCarthy after they met? I heard bells. I heard heard bells. Well, I would guess I heard bells is he's a Super Bowl-winning coach who can develop a quarterback who's not going to question us on on our roster. Um, oh, that's a really good match. So I can sell it as Super Bowl winning coach. He's going to help de- de- develop Dak Prescott, which he's done, but he stays out of our way in the war room and in, in, in the uh, in the front office. Which, again, uh, I he think wins you twelve games, and he'll win you twelve games. Yeah. And uh, but again, you know, the, the Dak Prescott thing. I don't know that you can make an argument with eight seasons now, and over and over small performances in the playoffs. Um, that's but again, that, that's where you put yourself. And uh, but uh, what, what, the the start of that conversation is yeah, this: yeah. other organizations are are making the changes. And mm-hmm. you heard Broda say we talked about it. Howie Roseman's making changes and because in Philadelphia you could sell. Hey guys, we were just in the Super Bowl. We're not going to panic here. We just you know we were a couple plays from winning the Super Bowl a year ago start, inside a calendar yeah. a year ago. I started the best start to the season of any team. Yeah, we were, <laughs> we were ten and one. <laughs> just you know we had a bad month, y'all. <laughs> well, they're not saying that. Mm-mm. They're saying no, 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 no. We're changing. 
we're bringing in, but you know, we're going to, we're going to get this thing right. Cause we got too many good players on this team, uh, to, to waste the opportunities that we have. And again, we'll see if Philadelphia is right or wrong. I just think I'm seeing, or, you know, the, the chargers saying, okay, we are going to go invest in this Jim Harbaugh thing. We know what he's about. Um, he's going to take control of this organization. He'll be our identity of our organization. And we're going to hire a general manager that he's compatible with. You know, I got to think the Chargers are looking at that like they did with Kyle Shanahan when they let Kyle Shanahan, you know, kind of pick John Lynch and those guys work together to build the roster and the yeah. team. And Shanahan, you know, Shanahan coaches it. That's what they want from Harbaugh. Uh, and that's a, to me, that's a big step forward organizationally for the same, for the LA Chargers. You know, Cowboys continue to stay where they are. So that conversation has been had in a lot of different ways. I thought that was an interesting conversation with Brian Broaddus. Good stuff from Rod. We'll come back. We'll go behind the burn orange curtain with Texas football, also Texas basketball on the rise all of a sudden. A week later, we were, you know, singing the demise of the Longhorns. But these guys have shown some pride yes, and shown sir. some two big wins here over the last two games. Can they build on that? Plus, before the end of the hour, some off-the-record topics that you need to hear. It's maybe stories you've missed, but uh, they'll be talked about. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. Indeed, indeed. We've gone from uh, freeze protection to Callahan's General Store to possible flood protection and uh, issues from rising water. Um, Welcome to Austin. Welcome to Austin. And I just saw where uh, the flash flood warning by the National Weather Service has been extended till noon today for Fayette County, which that's down east of Bastrop, down towards LaGrange, um, Gonzales to the south. And they've already seen 8 to 12 inches of rain and more is coming, Rod. Uh, it's a gully washer east of, um, you, know, you know, where Callahan's General Store is right there by the airport. East oh, of yeah. that is, and a lot of folks come in from uh, those areas to come to Callahan's General Store to get their essentials for their ranches and uh, animals and things. So hopefully those folks are doing okay. Uh, but Callahan's ready to see you right there at 501 Bastrop Highway. But uh, rain is the factor. And the focus right down. There's more coming, Rod. These storms are just really driving right up I-35. They're coming out of uh, Mexico up, to, uh, up through San Antonio and straight yeah. here. Uh, and it is widespread. And uh, they just keep on rolling. It's been three days of it now. Yeah. No, as long as they don't get the, freeze, the freezing temperatures and the rain together, I'm cool with one or the other. It's all right. I, ideally, I like sunshine, but it's okay. All right. We need, we need some rain. It's yeah. Okay. It's like, just be careful out there. All right, now you got flash floods and stuff you got to worry about because the ground's so saturated. So just be careful. Take your time. All right. Well, that's uh, that, that is interesting. Yeah, obviously, the golf is going to tee off in San Diego tomorrow. That'll be the uh, Farmers Insurance Open, which is uh, you know, one of the better early events of the calendar. Always a good field. Torrey Pines has hosted majors uh, many times. It's a great golf course there, but a public course, Rod. Torrey Pines, one of those courses you watch it on TV on the coast there on the Pacific Ocean, mm. and you're like, you know, I could go play that. That's true. I could go play that. It's a it's a public course, uh, which is kind of cool. If you're going, I mean, a lot of golf fans. You is that like, like a fantasy of golf fans when they see a course and like, oh, I want to go play that course. Oh yeah, because most of them there's restrictions private. to it. They're yeah. private. You got to yeah, know yeah. somebody mm-hmm. and they get, get very lucky or something. Like like uh, Pebble Beach, you can play and it's like five hundred bucks. Uh, if you want to, you, know, you got to fly out there and hotels and everything. But just the green fees are going to cost you five hundred. Just the green fees. Yeah. Whew. But when you see a place like Torrey Pines where, you know, I could actually get on that course. How much does it cost? Is it much cheaper? Uh, a place like that? Let me look. Let me okay. look at this. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, I, don't, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm, it, you know, 500 
I mean, I, I imagine if that's like one of your bucket list things, that's not that much money. If it's like a bucket list thing, if you're that much of a golf fan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. And, you know, there, there's, there's, there's a set of courses, a group of courses up in New York called Beth, Beth Page Black. Or Beth, Beth Page. It's, it's, it's State Park. That's what it's called. Oh, now, okay. the black course is the most famous because that's the hardest. But, but it's kind of like ski slopes. They have the golf courses rated by color, and black is the toughest. But you can play that. You can play that. You show up early in the morning, get on the tee sheet, and uh, go play and uh, get after it. So you're right. It is a bucket list thing for golfers for where you can – and it's not a private club. I can, And then you watch the pros play, and you're like, man, I don't know. You know I'm going to see how I did on this hole. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're going to fail miserably. But it's still fun to do it. Fun to do it. <laughs> yeah, Torrey Pines. Um, so that'll be where they'll play tomorrow. The Farmers Insurance Open into the golf weekend. And it's all brought to you by Callahan's General Store. Get over there for at Callahan's for again. Yeah, you're gonna need some maybe some sandbags at this point with what's Man, going on seriously. to the east of Callahan's. It's crazy over there. But they also have the expertise with all their people there to help you with uh, you know with all this rain. How you dealing with your yards and the winterizing and things we've been talking yeah. about? They'll have all those answers coming up. Have them all for the you. Yards gonna be looking crazy after all this rain too. And but the freeze, then the rain. Yeah. Oh, this so is this is why you need the expertise of some people, I promise you, because I Faux shizzle. Faux shizzle. Coming up we'll have off the record before the top of the hour. That is at the turn, halfway through our five hour conversation on this Wednesday morning. We're halfway we are exactly halfway through the week, Rod. On this Wednesday. The so hump day. A wet, sloppy hump day. Wet, ooh. Uh, wet, gush, gusher out there. <laughs> wet and sloppy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but we are halfway through our show today, but halfway through our five-day week at this bottom of the hour. At the turn, brought to you by Callahan's General Store. At the Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, Texas football continues to uh, pick up some quality players via the transfer portal. The latest is a defensive tackle from Arizona. I'll make sure I get his name right. Tia Oali. Sevea? Tia Oali. Tia Oali. Tia Oali. I know. I'm going to say it enough, and I promise I'll get it. If not, I'll just call him Savea. That's his first name. His mama gave him that name. I know. Tia Oali. I want to do him justice, and I don't want to disrespect him. My mom's yelling at me. She can't even pronounce Aaron very often. When I was a kid. <laughs> She'd call me Raren because my brother's Rick, so it'd be Rick and Aaron. Raren. Put, put this, just cram them together. Raren, come here. Both of y'all running. That, that, that kid had to have a nickname. <laughs> Tia, probably. Tia, no, yeah, because then Tia's like, yeah, I guess you can call him Tia. They'll, I guess Sark, I guarantee you Sark will refer to him by a nickname at one point. Because Sark does that because he's so comfortable with the players, he'll drop what they call him in the locker room. Instead of what we actually refer to the mass, so either that or listen to Craig Way. Uh, and Craig Way, he said enough. Then Craig Way, I definitely know how to uh, say it uh, in the correct fashion. But Tia Oali'i, his uh, Savea is the six-four, three hundred five-pound defensive tackle for Arizona, who is transferring to the University of Texas following Johnny Nansen, who is now the co-DC here at Texas, but was the uh, uh, defensive coordinator there at Arizona. And uh, they have a great relationship, uh, as Aaron mentioned, going back to high school recruiting. Uh, Johnny Nansen recruited uh, Savea out of high school. He was a, a, a he was an acquisition that the Longhorns had to have. Uh, if you go look at their interior defensive line depth, it is a problem that only do they – 
right now lack a defensive line coach because they haven't named one of those yet. But you lose Byron Murphy, you're going to lose to Andre Sweat. That's the best D-tackle duo in the country. And then you go back two years ago, you had the deepest, arguably the deepest D-tackle room in the country because you had Murphy Sweat, but then you added Colburn, Ojimo, and Alfred Collins. Um, so great news that you've got Alfred Collins coming back. Uh, you still got Vernon Bryant. Those are guys who played high-level reps uh, in this system, so there is familiarity with the system as well. But you were missing after that. There was a drop-off, and you've had a heavy rotation, actually, of four or five NFL-caliber defensive lineman in the last two years. Uh, that's a drastic shift uh, from your front seven being your strength. Now losing four of those guys to the NFL draft and yes, you do have your two frontline guys in Vernon Broughton and Alfred Collins, but where is the depth in that rotation? Um, that's why Savea is so important for them because now you at least have one you have one element there that will add some depth to that defensive tackle room. I still think you add, you got to add another one. And they need someone who can, and maybe one of these younger guys can do it, or maybe one of the guys, you know, Alfred Collins, or maybe even Savea. Uh, they need someone to play the nose um, at times. A lot of these guys are three technique guys. They need someone who can play the nose right up over the center, uh, that half shader right over the center at times, depending on what front they want to play. Haven't really figured that out, and that's why Texas may be susceptible to power run teams next season in the SEC because the weakness of the defense, or at least the biggest question marks on the defense right now, are in the interior D-line. And it looks like you may be a team that's the strength of your defense, maybe the back seven. But Savannah's a big piece. Now you've got three guys who are proven commodities. Now, if those young guys like Aaron Bryant and Sadir Mitchell, those young guys step up and they end up being – you know, uh, high-caliber guys you can use in a rotation, that's great, but hope is not a strategy, so you can't necessarily hope that is going to be the case. And with Bo Davis departing to go to LSU, you were able to somewhat count on his consistency as a developer of talent there at Interior D-Line, where, hey, that's going to be a breakout player at D-Line. We just don't know who it's going to be. Right, you had more Ojimo and Colburn breakout two years ago. Last year, last season it was Murphy and Sweat, Sweatcher, Outland Trophy winner. And then the assumption was, well, if Bo Davis there, Alfred Collins is set to have a breakout campaign. He and Vernon Broughton. That still may happen. I still think it is going to happen. Um, but I think you were more confident in that uh, scenario when you had Bo Davis, who started called the best D-line coach in America, as the D-line coach. So that. I think you, you needed him, but uh, you still need another piece there, I think, at the interior D-line to keep it from being a liability for you. Because right now there's a chance, if you don't have talented depth in that rotation there, that you're susceptible to the power run game. Right up the gut. Right up the gut. And we're also keeping our eyes on, on that new defensive line coach role. Sark is uh, uh, continuing to, to search. And um, you know, you've talked about Johnny Nansen's – you know, potential pipeline into the American Samoan community yep. and that poly community. I mean, yep. you know, that, that you can do worse than those kind of guys if, if you have good connections. That Those guys are big, oh, sturdy, hard to move, yep. good football players, man. They are. They're almost, I mean, genetically just engineered to be great <laughs> football players. I mean, go look. From really, the Hawka dance on. Yeah, if you were looking at rugby. the per capita numbers for, uh, like, American Samoans and the Pacific Island community and the Polynesian community, it is. It's harder than any other group, cultural group, ethnicity in America. Like it is just crazy. It's freakish. And Johnny Nansen is in what is one of them. Yes, correct? he is part of that community. Part of that community. You got to so. be. You got to be part of the community. Really tap into it. They don't really necessarily sure. like random outsiders coming in trying to take advantage of their community in that way. Um, so yeah, he's, he he can tap into it almost any time. 
That's that's a that's that, that's gonna pay huge dividends down the line. Yeah. I assure you. I would you, agree. Because those are that's line play. I mean, you can see some of them playing. There's some of the American Samoa, the Pacific Island community that end up playing skill positions like wide receiver. You got Puka Nakua, right? Quarterback and hell, you got that secondary, right? You got a, a, a Talona. Uh, Hafunga, I believe is his name, the the all pro safety for the uh, 49ers. But most of the time, like you said, they're built sturdy and they're just they're built different. They're built with power, <laughs> engineered with power. So uh, yeah, that's the hope. And that's he's he's a run force defender for you too. He can make some splash plays behind the line of scrimmage. But he's a guy that's going to be stout line of scrimmage, as he mentioned, hard to move, can take on double teams and not be moved and give you a a rock of Gibraltar, if you will. Uh, in the interior. Well, think about, uh, as you talk about PK, Pete Kwiatkowski, mm. you know, at, at, at Washington, he had that 2-5-4 defense, right? That mm-hmm. 2-4-5 defense. And he wanted, it was Vita Vea, guys like that, right? Those big yeah, dudes yeah. who's still playing in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. Now, you just can't get them off the point. They're just going to hold that down. And yeah. then you put speed around that uh, with the linebackers slash hybrids slash edges and whatever they become. Uh, see where they're going, and this is the, the latest. And uh, you mentioned don't be taken advantage of. They're very, very guarded above who they trust. Yeah. Manti Teo, remember that whole story? Manti what a mess Teo. that was. Oh, <laughs> God, all about it. Oh, man, what a crazy story. Yeah. Well, there's a documentary about that. Is it on Netflix? Yes, I gotta it's good, watch too. It. I it's very watched good. It yet. I think it's on my queue. i got to check that out. Uh, but Savea, also one other negative about him. Has played multiple shades on the defensive line. I think that's important. You can move him around. Now you're not ideally not moving him around all the time, but if you need to situationally for a matchup, you can do it. It's not outside of the realm uh, to move him around a little bit. So that's a huge pickup for Texas. And now we just wait on who the D line coach is going to be. I'm, I have no idea at this point. I, we thought we knew it might be Rod Wright. It ain't going to be Rod Wright. Well, at least right now it's not trending toward being Rod Wright, and that doesn't seem to be the buzz. But I will admit, there's not much buzz about anybody. Um, when it comes to D-line coach position. So may, uh, give Sark credit for, you know, keeping his cards close to the vest. There's not been a lot of, you know, like, like, consistent reports about one candidate. Well, uh, we will see. We'll see where it goes. And uh, I believe they were zeroing in on Rod Wright and, you know, interviewed and uh, we'll see where that goes and it's not it's not off the table I don't think but at the same time uh, looking at other people too so we'll keep an eye on those conversations good stuff from Rod uh, and probably not done you know roster building getting close though getting close they are what they do you won't... think of the, uh, the by the way the big corner uh, big tall corner out of Arizona that hit the portal uh, Takario is it Takario Davis yes I think it's I think like a 6'3 6'4 corner yeah, he's huge he's uh, kind of like Ryan Watts he's huge he actually led the Pac-12 in pass breakups too I mean he's a, he's a good player uh, second team all Pac-12 selection, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Jabbar Muhammad was their focals, focal point um, in terms of adding another defensive back. And he, I, I don't know, reportedly he's maybe leaning now Oregon. Um, he's considering Oregon, Washington, Oregon, Bama, and Texas or his spots that he's considering. Um, if they don't get Jabbar Muhammad, yeah, you can go after another corner. I, I if I don't, if I don't know if I'd like to Takario Davis as much as I like Jabbar Muhammad, but that'd be a luxury item if you can get him. Yeah, Takario Davis from uh, Arizona, obviously Johnny Nansen, familiar with him too. Yep. Uh, and so keep an eye on that name because Jabbar Muhammad, uh, for the latest on that, that's the corner from Washington. He's got two cousins that play at Texas, and Manny Muhammad and, and uh, Billy Walton. Uh, so and there's a proximity advantage for Texas when he's from Desoto, Texas, and South Dallas. But, you know, the word we're getting from the Oregon side is he wants to be a shutdown corner. He wants to be the primary cornerback. Yeah. Because uh, he thinks he is, and he thinks he – but he's trying to improve his draft stock, period. Period. That's exactly right. And if you come in in Texas and you're a rotational corner, 
that are bouncing in there with your cousin and Terrence Brooks, and you know he really wants to to show that he can he can you know be the the number one corner against really good receivers, and you know that's how you improve your draft stock, Rod. You yeah. put that on film. Yeah, and you know Texas likes to rotate their guys, whether Logan fans like it or not. They're committed to rotating guys. They believe it helps them stay fresher in the fourth quarter. Also, they believe it helps them kind of manufacture depth. Guys get hurt, other guys can come in, and they aren't. You know, shell shocked, if you will, uh, and uh, by the limelight and the big stage because they have had some quality reps before. So I'm not opposed to it. I think I would like them to be a little bit more judicious <laughs> and a little bit more calculating about when they rotate guys. I, it seems to me that they they have a a set. Uh, rotation in mind probably before they go into the game and no matter what the situational circumstance is, they still rotate guys. I'd like to see the coaches determine what the rotations are based on the situation of the game. <laughs> right? If you have a lead, if you're comfortable, money downs, that kind of stuff. I'd like to see them do that. Uh, but I think last year it was just kind of throwing guys out in a situation and a lot of times they were I think at an, in an inopportune situation, throwing out there rotating guys. But Texas is committed to rotating, so I can see why that would be a turnoff for certain players. We'll follow all yeah. those conversations. We'll move forward with uh, the Longhorns conversation. Texas basketball front and center this morning. Now, what a difference a week makes. Last Wednesday, we were talking about a team that doesn't look like a tournament team. Now they've beaten back-to-back top 11 teams and, you know, on the rise for the Longhorns. They found some identity. And maybe uh, the spark plug is Kendall Weaver. We'll talk about that coming up in our 9 o'clock hour. Uh, back to Rodney Terry's team. Uh, how quickly things can turn when you get uh, the chemistry right and guys start playing uh, more intense on defense. But also, some off-the-record, Rod. We'll get to that coming up. Stories you need to hear because they're going to be talked about. Include an idea I have for another uh, major Netflix series or I something. Like it. Can I do it? Let's do it. Uh, let's do it. We'll hit that coming back. Hook them up with Ian Rodby. D.D. Megadoodoo, I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Deli Cat Essen. Well, well I don't get a break, they ain't cold. Well, congratulations, continue good sex in, the, good sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! And thing sucks! Off the Record. I uh, mentioned yesterday, Rod, the demise of Sports Illustrated, my affinity for a long-standing subscriber to the SI. I put out a couple of, or Ty did, a couple of covers I sent him, one with Nolan Ryan, one with the great Tom Kite. Oh, yeah. I'll put out a couple more today. I'll send them to Ty. They'll be out on, on our Horn Instagram account. But i uh, got to dig through my stash and pick a good one, something time-appropriate. Listen, I agree with Ty, though. You need to do whatever. You need to get them where they can – you can – I somehow Grated. find a way to uh, – is that Grated. what it is, graded? Yeah. Uh, I should put them in a box and put them somewhere nice. Yeah. But maybe I'll put out an NFL playoff because I got some Joe Montana covers. Got oh. some John Elway covers. Yeah, I got Nolan Ryan one. Oh, yeah. man. You know, it's, that, it's that time of year, divisional playoff football. And uh, so I'll get that going uh, here coming up uh, after the show, and we'll put that out. Uh, but off the record, I'll, I, I'll pick one. I got Because yesterday was Nolan Ryan. I went Texas. I went Texas Rangers and then I, and the Ryan Express, and I went Tom Kite right after he won the U.S. Open, which is pretty cool. Uh, what do you have off the record here, RB? Uh, I sent Ty a little piece of audio here that I thought was uh, pretty funny. It's a story, actually, uh, being told by Julian Edelman. He's talking to Tom Brady. He's on Tom Brady. I believe it's Tom Brady's podcast. He's got Randy Moss on there. They oh, I think should. I saw this one. Um, and it's, a, it's, a, it's actually a Tiger Woods story. Um, and, Ty, if you have that audio, please play it for the people. I think it's pretty funny. 
Every offseason, we'd have some inspirational thing from Bill. This guy lays out an hour-long presentation on why Tiger Woods is Tiger f Woods. He's sitting there. You guys are over in Vegas in the offseason. This guy's hitting his seven iron. He's at the greens putting. And like three weeks later, the whole Tiger saga came out, right? <laughs> three weeks later, Randy, as soon as it came out, we're in stretch lines and Bill walking around, he got his little whistle and he's whistling or doing his little whistle twirl. And all of a sudden you hear in the, out, of the, out of left field, hey, Bill, hey, Bill. <laughs> you see Belichick, he just shakes his head like he knew exactly what it was. How about Tiger that's too much tiger effort woods man see because yeah. it, hey. it, it seems like tiger just wasn't at the driving range he still was yeah <laughs> well, he was driving some things all right he was he was hitting some long balls out there but yeah every day that time in vegas that doesn't doesn't make it doesn't make him any less great uh, that is on the field a, of play actually <laughs> makes him even greater now we know he was multitasking. Right? It's like we thought he was sleeping ten hours a night. Turns out he wasn't. Well, he's was putting in that work. I, 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 the Tiger story, and of course the the documentary that came out about Tiger, and turns out when he was a young kid and he was playing golf, he'd uh, be playing holes, and his dad mm. was bringing girls into his little Winnebago at yeah, the golf course. Man, mm -hmm. That was his his yeah. love shack, apparently. Like you grow up with that, you're gonna have some issues. Like you're yeah. out you're out on the putting green or the driving range. Dad's just got you know blondes rolling into the RV. In the parking lot of the golf course, he believed. Hey, <laughs> to, to him, you know, the, 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 to try to work, the work, work and play go together like that. Yeah, naturally, they're naturally linked to him. Yeah, then go home to mom. It's like, oh, that's weird. Yeah, that, that was that could yeah, be scarring. That's traumatizing for a young for a young <laughs> yeah. kid. That's I, a that's a lot to process for a young kid. Huh. That's a lot to process. What's dad yeah. doing in there? My coach is in there too. What's he doing? I don't know what's going on. Uh, he, <laughs> well, he figured it out. Oh yeah, yeah, he figured it out. Speaking kid, of uh, documentaries, Rod. I think I have a new one here because I just love it. You know, you know what? I know because we talked yesterday about uh, good documentaries and streaming shows. I know they had the show about that was called The Girls Next Door with the uh, ladies in the Playboy Mansion. Oh, yeah, with Hugh Hefner and his ladies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I've decided we need a Netflix series all about it, like a story about the Playboy Mansion. I need to know more about it. Uh, I don't know if you want to know more about yeah, it. Yeah, I do. Nah. So I was reading this story from People Magazine, and mm. Kenny Rogers, the late Kenny Rogers, the gambler. Jenny McCarthy, who now does TV, but she was a Playboy Playmate at one point in the 90s. She said, she was telling the story that when she was, because Hugh Hefner got married at one point, right? So she, all the, 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 the Playmates used to just hang out in the Playboy Mansion, but then when he got married, they had to go out to the guest house. And she told the story that famous people would just call the guest house and talk to random Playmates, including herself, including she had like, she used to have all these conversations with Kenny Rogers. Kenny Rogers just called. Just called when he was lonely. <laughs> yeah. Talk to the playmates. And then maybe, you know, grab dinner or something. Yeah, I'm coming out there, ladies. I'm I, I, don't tell Hugh I'm coming. John Stamos. And just trying to get to that. Yeah. Chachi. Scott yeah. Bayo. <laughs> and they're just calling the guest house. Who picks up? <laughs> this is Miss March. No, I'm sure that they, because at one point, I know they were thinking about making like a TV show. Like a, a series that. based on like the real life. Uh, like, like a kind of a, not a biopic, but kind of a real life. That's what I'm talking about. Biopic of Hugh Hefner. 
Yeah, but I, I think they, they put the kibosh on it because – well, he, he was gone now, so maybe – We can use fictitious names and try to guess But you would it know is. what it is. They got – but by now, I think enough time has passed. They don't even print the magazine anymore, do they? No. Yeah, uh, come I mean, on, man. But the mansion's where the stories are. The Playboy miniseries used to happen. That would be great. You're right. That would be awesome. If done by the right people with the right HBO cast. HBO needs oh, to do it. be so good. Go ahead. Showtime. Be, get it done. Get her done. Remember like that Showtime Lakers series. Make it like that. That's exactly right. It'd be awesome. HBO did it, yeah. All right, we'll come back. Hook them up with Ian Rodby.